We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. The Lord here says, this is the only thing I want you to do. This is the only thing I require of you. When you come back to me, the only thing I ask is that you acknowledge your iniquity. That's it. The New Testament says, confess your sins. That's it. That's all he's asking of us. You know, to the backslider, to the prodigal, to the person who's drifted away from God. He says, you can come back. I want you to come back. Come home. Return to me. And when you return to me, the only thing I'm asking of you, just acknowledge your iniquity. Just confess your sins. No matter the amount of times you've strayed from God and living for him, and no matter how many times you've turned your back on him, He promises to always forgive you if you simply confess your sins to Him and turn from those ways. Today, Pastor Dan will be with you in the book of Jeremiah to show you the message God had for His people back then. It hasn't changed at all from then to now. Confess your sin to God and turn from it so that He'll bless you and guide your ways again. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 3, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. I will not remain angry forever. This is God's heart. This is God's heart. Return to me. I'm not angry with you. I'm merciful. I'll be merciful to you. That's his heart towards the backslider. That's his heart towards the backslider. Now, what does it mean when he says backsliding Israel? What does backsliding mean? Backsliding means to return to your old sinful behavior. They're to return back to your old habits, to return back to your old activities. And backsliding for most Christians, it's a slow drifting away from God and a slow drifting into your old life. For most Christians, it's not this sudden, I'm going back, I'm done with this. It's just this slow drift, this kind of slow cooling off towards God. And a slow wandering back into your old life and your old habits. And the people of Judah, they were backslidden. And yet again, they're still going to the temple. They're still doing the religious activities. Remember in Isaiah, the Lord says, these people honor me with their mouths and their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You know, they still had this outward religious thing going on, but they were backslidden. They were going back to their old habits. Again, it's a slow drift away from God. And here we see God saying to the backslider, return to me, come home to me, and I'll be merciful toward you. 
I'm not angry with you. God's not waiting for them to return so he can just unleash his wrath on them. I think sometimes that's what people think. That God's just hes so angry with me for what I've done. For going back to my old life. Going back to my old sin again. He's angry with me. He's disappointed in me. But that's not what you see here. You see a God pleading with the backslider to come back. And he say, I'm not angry. I'm merciful. You know, I think of the father of the prodigal son. What did the father do? He just watches and he's waiting for his son to come back so that he can restore his son and receive him back into the family. You know, and the son is so worried about what he's going to say to his father when he sees him and making his case to the father. And the son has just kind of this, this low hope that maybe he'll let me just be a servant in his house. And before the son can even finish his apology to the father, the father embraces him, receives him, puts shoes on his feet, a ring on his finger, a robe around him, calls him my son and brings him back into the home. That's our father. That's his heart towards us. He's not angry. He wants us to come back. He wants to forgive us. He wants to show us mercy. Look at verse 13. He says, only, that word only there, is the Lord saying, this is the only thing you have to do. Return to me, and this is the only thing I require of you. Only acknowledge your iniquity, that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. The Lord here says, this is the only thing I want you to do. This is the only thing I require of you. When you come back to me, the only thing I ask is that you acknowledge your iniquity. That's it. The New Testament says, confess your sins. That's it. That's all he's asking of us. You know, to the backslider, to the prodigal, to the person who's drifted away from God. He says, you can come back. I want you to come back. Come home. Return to me. And when you return to me, the only thing I'm asking of you, just acknowledge your iniquity. Just confess your sins. The word confess, it literally means to speak the same thing or to agree with. And when God asks us to confess our sins, what he's asking us is to agree with him about our sins. To say the same thing about our sins that he says about our sins. Meaning we don't try to justify what we did. We don't make excuses for what we did. We don't try to explain away what we did. We don't blame other people for what we did. We just call it sin because that's what he calls it. That's confession. Yeah, you, you, God, you're, I shouldn't have done this. It's wrong. Forgive me. That's it. I'm not making excuses. I'm not trying to justify my behavior. I'm not pointing the finger at other people. I'm not saying, well, if they wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. No. It was wrong. It was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Please forgive me. That's confession. And here the Lord says, the only thing I want, the only thing I ask is that when you come back, you just acknowledge your iniquity. You just agree with me that it was sin. It was wrong for you. You know, First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. Purge us of all of our unrighteousness. He not only forgives us, but then by his Holy Spirit and through the washing of the water of the word, he cleanses us. He gets the poison out. You know, he removes the sin 
from our lives. Again, he pleads in verse 14, return, O backsliding children. So now he's speaking to both the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Return, my backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. That's something. God's saying, we're married. You're my wife. I'm your husband. Come back. He's still committed to the relationship. He's still committed to the covenant that he made to his wife and with his wife. We're married. I'm your husband. You know, it, it would be like us saying to our spouse, hey, we're married. Hey, I said, I stood before God and our family and friends, and I pledged to you my love and my commitment in good times and bad, rich or poor, sickness, health. I'm here. I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still in this thing. That's the case that God's making here with Israel. We're married. I'm still married. I'm still in this. I'm still committed to the covenant that we made. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. Now look what it says here. I will take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. God says, I don't care where you are. I don't care where you've gone to. I'll take you back. If you're in a city, I'll take you from a city. If you're in a family, I'll take you from a family. It doesn't matter to God where we wander to or how far away we get. He takes us back. He takes us back. One from a city, two from a family. And when a Christian backslides... They may think that they've just gone too far from God to ever come back, that God would never take them back because of the things that they've gone to, the things that they've got involved in. There's no, they're just too far away. They're too far gone. And God is saying, I don't care where I find you, you can come back. I don't care where you are, you can come back to me. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Shepherds, leaders to lead the nation, leaders according to God's heart, who will feed the flock of God with knowledge, the knowledge of God and understanding. Remember when Jesus saw the multitudes, it says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. There's no one leading them, no one feeding them. No one giving them knowledge of God and understanding of God. But God says, if you return to me, I'll give you shepherds that are according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now, in verse 16, he, uh, God now looks ahead prophetically uh, to the messianic kingdom when Jesus Christ returns uh, and establishes his kingdom on the earth. Then it shall come to pass when you are multiplied and increased in the land in those days, speaking of the kingdom age, says the Lord, that they will say no more. The ark of the covenant of the Lord, it shall not come to mind. The ark will not come to mind, nor shall they remember it, nor shall they visit it, nor shall it be made anymore. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord. And notice Lord is in all capital letters there, the throne of the Lord. Of Jehovah, and all the nations shall be gathered to it to the name of Jehovah. 
to Jerusalem. No more shall they follow the dictates of their evil hearts. Uh, The Ark of the Covenant, it represented the presence of God with the children of Israel, the presence of God in the midst of the camp of Israel. What we're told here is during the Messianic kingdom, when Christ is on the earth, literally, and he's reigning from Jerusalem, that people will no longer talk about the ark. They'll no longer even think about the ark representing the presence of the Lord with them because they'll have the Lord with them. They'll have his actual presence dwelling in their midst. Uh, So they're not even going to think about the ark anymore. The throne of the Lord will be in Jerusalem. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Verse 17, at that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered to it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. No more shall they follow the dictates of their evil hearts. God's going to create a whole new covenant with them. And he's going to write his law on the hearts of man. And notice uh, in verse 18, in those days, the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel, and they shall come together out of the land of the north to the land that I have given as an inheritance to your father. So the kingdom of Israel will be reunited as a nation again and dwell together in the promised land again. Uh, We get a glimpse of that now where Israel is united again as a nation, exists as a nation again, but its ultimate fulfillment will be in the Messianic age when Christ is reigning. Verse 19, but I said, how can I put you among the children and give you a pleasant land, a beautiful heritage of the host of nations? And I said, you shall call me father and not turn away from me. Again, he's speaking of future tense. You know, God wants to give them the pleasant land. He wants to be their father. He wants to be their husband. That's his desire. That's his dream, if you will, for his people. Surely as a wife treacherously departs from her husband, so have you dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, says the Lord. A voice was heard on the desolate heights, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their way. They have forgotten the Lord their God. Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backsliding. Indeed, we do come to you, for you are the Lord our God. So here the Lord, uh, looking ahead again, prophetically, to the day when Israel does repent and does say, we do come to you, for you are the Lord our God. They will repent in captivity. They'll repent of their idolatry when they're in Babylon. 
Here's what God does. And give me your attention. They started going after idols and they refused to return back to God. And so God sent them to Babylon. Babylon was a land filled with idolatry. And so what God did as their punishment for their idolatry, he sent them to a place where there's so much idolatry that they would get sick of it and want nothing to do with it ever again. And sometimes, not every time, but sometimes that's what God does with our sin. If we refuse to listen to him, refuse to repent, refuse to return to him, sometimes he will give us so much of that sin so that we just become sick of it and get to the place where we say, I don't ever want to have this in my life ever, ever again. I'm done with it. And the children of Israel, when they came back from Babylon, they didn't want to have anything to do with idolatry. They didn't want anything that even possibly could be misconstrued as idolatry in their land uh, when they came back. And so he looks ahead and he sees that here, that day when they return and acknowledge the Lord as their God. Again, the ultimate fulfillment of this is going to be during the great tribulation period and then the kingdom age when Christ is reigning as king in Israel. Now look at verse 22 again, the first part of verse 22. The Lord says, return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backsliding. You know, for many people, they think that, you know, they have to heal themselves before they can come back to God. I've got to clean myself up. I've got to get my act, you know, figured out. I've got to get my life straightened out. And then I can come back to God. I can't come to God looking like this. And I can't come to God with my life in the mess that it's in. I've got to fix the mess first. And then I'll come back. That's the opposite of what the Bible says. God says, you come back, then I'll heal your backsliding. You just come back the way that you are in the condition that you're in and I'll fix the mess that you're in. It's not the other way around. If you wait until you get your mess straightened out to come to the Lord, you'll never come to the Lord. You come to the Lord first and then the Lord deals with it and the Lord works in your life and he cleans up things for you. Verse 23 Truly and vain is salvation hoped for from the hills. Again, the hills is a reference to their idolatry. And from the multitude of mountains, he says it's a waste to look to idols to save you. It's a waste to look to any other God to save you. Truly in the Lord Jehovah, our God, is the salvation of Israel. There is salvation in no other. It's only found through Jesus Christ. Look what he says now about their sin. For shame has devoured the labor of our fathers from our youth, their flocks and their herds, their sons and their daughters. Their sin has devoured everything. Their sin has destroyed them. Their sin has destroyed their lives, their whole life from their youth their flocks, their herds, their wealth, their income, their sons, their daughters, their families. Everything is just devastated by their sin. But it says in Joel that the Lord restores the years that the locusts have eaten. And that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And the old things pass away. And behold, he makes all things new. Isn't that great? 
we can destroy things with our sin. We can destroy our lives, our families. And yet, when we come to Christ and we surrender our lives to Jesus and we give him control, he takes that mess of our lives and he creates something brand new out of it. And he begins to restore things that we've lost. So awesome what the Lord does. Goes on here finally in verse 25. Again, he's looking ahead to the day when the people of Israel repent. We lie down in our shame and our reproaches cover us. You remember earlier, uh, he talked about how they repented, uh, but it wasn't sincere. But now this is describing kind of sincere repentance. We lie down in our shame or shamed. Remember earlier, he said they had no shame about their sin. Now there's shame. And our reproach covers us. For we have sinned against the Lord our God. Not making any excuses. Not trying to justify what they're doing. Not trying to explain it away. You know, um, you you see that with Jacob in the Old Testament. Uh, You see with Jacob where Jacob is always, you know, kind of working an angle with God. Uh, There's one point where. Uh, He basically says to God, you can be my God if you provide for all my needs. You know, like, I'm in if you give me everything I need. Right? But then there comes a point later on where Jacob is alone and he wrestles with God. And remember, God touches his hip so that Jacob is made lame. And then Jacob then clings to God and says, I will not let you go. You know, now he's in a place where he's humble and he's broken before God and he's clinging to God. He's no longer working an angle with God. And you see that here described in this passage. There's brokenness, there's contriteness, there's humility, there's, hey, we're bearing our shame, we're bearing our reproach, we've sinned against the Lord. There's no angle here. And sometimes you talk to people and you can tell they're still kind of working it. They haven't come to the end of themselves yet. There's still some self there they're depending on. And sometimes you can really tell the difference between someone who's working at an angle and someone who's just really, they're at the end of themselves. And they're not making any excuses. They just, you know what, I'm broken in my sin and I've sinned against the Lord. He says, we and our fathers from our youth, even to this day, this confession, it's acknowledging their sin. This is the one and only thing that God asked of them. And we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. And this is where the gospel can come into a person's life. A person comes to the place where they acknowledge their sin, that they have not obeyed the Lord, and then the good news of Jesus Christ comes in, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He paid the price for you. And now through the blood of Jesus Christ, all of your sins are forgiven and you're reconciled to God and you're made a son or a daughter of God. And he gives you eternal life. He gives you forgiveness. He gives you an inheritance in heaven. And he'll be your God. He'll give you his Holy Spirit. He'll make all things new. Right? It was just, man, it's just such a cup of cold water, right? To hear the gospel when you come to a place like this, where you're at the end of yourself and you're just honest about yourself, honest about your sin, honest about your disobedience with the Lord. And then... Jesus Christ comes into the picture, right? It's so glorious. He asked 
We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Jeremiah. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Dan, please visit our website at calvaryec.com. You can listen to and download a wide range of previous broadcasts or simply subscribe to our podcast. Sometimes life can get busy. And between work, school, family, and all of our other obligations, it's hard to find time to dig deeper into the Bible for ourselves. At Ring of Truth, we've tried to make it a bit easier for you. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you go. This way, you'll have encouragement from God's Word throughout the day. You'll find a link to subscribe at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth on iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life, so please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. When you call, please feel free to share any prayer requests that are on your heart. We'd be happy to pray with and for you. We also appreciate your prayers for this radio ministry. Please tune in next time as Pastor Dan continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Jeremiah, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. Reach true.